All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Koshcast. My name is Bernie. I'm here with our friend Rishayrana. <laughs> hello, hello, Bernie, and hello to all our listeners. And thank you for the warm welcome. And hope everyone, wherever you're hearing this podcast, that you're having a good day. And uh, let's dive right into the world of football. Yes, yes. And, um, you know, now that we've been doing these pods in the midweek, there's a lot going on in terms of uh, Champions League, Europa League. We'll touch on some previews for the, the Premier League fixtures coming up. But um, I, look, I, I think there's no other place to start today than the farce that is Manchester United. Um, United played Sevilla today. It was 2-2 on aggregate. In the first leg, they were 2-0 up. And pretty much cruising until some nonsense. I don't even know how to explain what that was. Um, Roche, why don't we start there with the first leg? We'll dive into the second leg. What, what was your perception of what of what occurred? Yeah, you know, it was extremely uh, smooth sailing. 2-0 up, some good goals. Um, clearly, there was a lot of fight. There was a game plan. Marcel Sabitzer had come on and, you know, I mean, he started the game, but he scored two goals early in the first half. United seemingly cruising for this tie. Um, towards the end, Sevilla obviously putting on a bit of pressure. And there was a moment in the game where a ball came across the United box and Tyrell Malassia at the back post, you could just watch the decision making as the ball came across. He said, you know, should I go for it? Should I not go for it? He decided against going for it. And in this, in his decision making, he did a very, very basic schoolboy error in letting that ball run across his body. Sevilla obviously got in behind him. Freak deflection for a goal, a one-in-a-million type of goal, double mm-hmm. deflection, own goal. Sevilla back in the game, and then another own goal a few minutes later, Harry, the ball bouncing in off Harry Maguire's head. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, tragic circumstances for the United defense. So, uh, you know, seemingly everything's going fine, and then they sink like the Titanic. Even though it's two-two after the first leg, you're just thinking, "Well, where's the momentum here?" You know, mm-hmm. United after after going up two-nil and being in a position where you could say this team is, you know, okay, we're going to go to the next next round of this competition. Now, you know, the momentum is with Sevilla, and obviously today the second leg happened, and and uh, we, we all know the score at this point. Yeah, United lost 3-0 on the day, 5-2 on aggregate. That means that Sevilla scored five goals unanswered. And in the and and I would say that pretty much every goal, maybe bar the corner, but even that I have a, I have an issue with, was an unforced error. Well, yeah, well, let's say unforced error. Some of them like by United, and I would say only one of them, which was the Maguire own goal in the sec- in the first leg, was like, okay, that's bad luck. I would say everything else was just shitty play. And and, and to your point, you talked about the the um, the first goal in the first leg. So the two one Sevilla, uh, Malassi let the body let the ball go across his body. That's that's stupid, right? The second one, the guy heads it. Maguire's head is so big, it goes in. Whatever. Now, the first goal in this game that we watched today was a calamity of errors. So, Maguire passes the ball to David De Gea. 
David De Gea probably shouldn't give it back to Maguire in that position with three people swarming him, but I'm going to give him a pass on that because Maguire gets the ball and probably should let the ball run across his body to beat the press or boot it or give it back to De- He had at least three or four options, in my opinion, at that point. And he, it seemed like he's trying to go across his body with the pass to uh, Wan-Bissaka, which was probably the worst option of all of them. And gives the ball right back to Sevilla, who then go on to score. Right? Was that was that your your perception of that goal? Yeah, yeah, no, that was perfectly described. And you know, it, it's it's one of those things where you're looking at you know the significance of the tie, the moments of the leg, you know, the second leg. It's nil nil. Um, you're you're coming to Sevilla, where it's very hard to win already as an English team. United have gone out for you know the last five or six times in european competition two spanish opposition sevilla obviously knocked them out in in europe a couple of years ago as well but maguire he receives this ball you see in united training videos you're seeing them trying to do rondo you know they're trying to get they're trying to break through the lines of opposition they're trying to break the high press and maguire has done what looks like he's he's gone like as he, as if he was sleepwalking he's done like a basic pass to the right back it's not mm-hmm. imaginative it's not like he's aware of, of where the players are. There's like an instinct about Maguire that was missing in that moment. And every, every the three severe players who had boxed him in all smelled blood. They all smelled that Maguire here is not actually tracking any of our movements. He's mm-hmm. going to make this pass. It's so obvious. So they, they somehow get in the way. The ball, obviously, three of them all of a sudden are, you know, with a shot on goal, like the I don't even think De Gea dove for that. It just he just passed it in the back of the net, one nil. Harry Maguire, wake up! Like what was that? Like you just think that they're standing back, they're standing off you? Absolutely not. You know, and these are these are the moments where you're looking at okay, Maguire already a fringe player for Man U. Somehow he's the captain of the team. How can he be making this kind of error in this kind of game? That is just like a quality difference. I, I think I think that's true, and I think part of it is that he he made, like he's played 10 games or so there was a stat that was going on before this game there was the last 10 games that he started they won or something like well the severe because he didn't start the last game he came on and something like that and he, and and Erickson Hogg was saying he looks a lot better than he did in the beginning of the season people were starting to look up at things the game against Forest he was imperious the team played the highest they've played in this season and they had the highest possession because he does move the ball around. Um, and people were pretty happy with that. However, uh, this game, they sure put the ball around, but to your point, where's the awareness? Where's the understanding of the positioning of everybody, right? That, that was just a colossal mess. And from a captain, you do expect more. Like, you don't expect those mistakes. Now, when Manchester United play with Varane, they don't even, De Gea won't even make that pass because Varane is worse on the ball. But there, at least there's an understanding of, hey, I'm shit. Give that ball to Lissandro or boot it up. That's what happens when Varane plays. He's not going to put Varane in that position, A, because it's better communication, B, because I think Varane will never call for that ball. Maguire actually called for that ball. But not to hyperanalyze, because we all know that was a mess up. Going on to the second goal in this game, because United also didn't look like they were going to score at all. Like, period. So forget that. Second goal in this game... Corner, uh, Lindelof gets beaten for the header, which I can forgive. You get beaten on headers, fine. Except it comes off the defender's shoulder. I mean, the, the Sevilla player's shoulder, Abade. And then De Gea. 
couldn't be bothered. He, he could not be bothered. He's standing basically on his line and gets looped. Like, the ball loops over him, basically standing on his line. And I thought, you always do this against Sevilla. If you watch the hair against Sevilla, he always lets them win. To the point that I, I believe this is a match-fixing scandal at this point. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. It's... Uh... And De Gea has been prone to errors. And just like Maguire, you know, I, I thought he was actually turning a corner. He's got all these appearance records, clean sheet records for United. And and then he has a game like this. When when you need a game, he has a game like this. Now, that ball looping in, you know, a freak spin or whatever. I think De Gea should have been able to get there. His footwork mm-hmm. probably betrayed him. This The moment that this happened in the game was right after halftime. And... Mm. If we if we watch the game, you see right before halftime, United actually were almost two 0 down, if not for a goal being disallowed for VAR. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know they already had one life handed to them, and then promptly after the break, after a double substitution, you know with Marcus Rashford and Luke Shaw coming on, both mm-hmm. risky subs in my opinion, injuries, um, because right? injuries they they may be being rushed back, and it showed in their mm-hmm. performance. But straight away, 2-0 down. So you're, you're already like, okay, well, I just, you know, if, from Ten Hag's perspective, he puts on these two subs. He's, made a, he's, he's gone and chased the game. Now they're down 2-0 in a sloppy error. Now, really, what are you going to do at this point as a manager? Like, your decision at halftime has backfired. You regret it. Uh, you know, like, maybe, maybe you have some insight. Like, you know, what would you do as, as Eric Ten Hag in the situation? Like, besides feel helpless. There's not much that you can do in that in that circumstance, right? But the best managers are able to coach in game and figure it out. Like this, there's nothing else I can say, but they can just manage to figure it out. And Eric could not figure it out because one thing that I've always said about this United team, even when they were doing well, say post World Cup, they're heavily reliant on Marcus Rashford. If Marcus Rashford isn't playing or playing well, it becomes a problem. And a half-fit Marcus Rashford in this game, asking him to carry this team on his back, half-fit, is a step too far, in my opinion. Like, like, what do you think is going to happen here? Like, he's not played for a couple of games. He's still carrying an injury, and you're expecting him to do what? <laughs> like, exactly. I, thought, I, I, I thought that was... Like, I thought, yes, you need him, but it shows that the attacking portion of Manchester United... And I've said this all season. This is not new. Is, is individual brilliance. This was lobbied against Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for years, but it was for, far from the case. Like there were actual attacking transitions, the Martial, Mason Greenwood, uh, Rashford, Tramvirt. There were movements around with Bruno doing his thing. And by the way, today shows how clearly important Bruno is because Eriksson is not as good as Bruno Fernandez. Let's dead that end that discussion right the second. He's not Bruno's ability to find people when we call it hero ball, whatever you want it to be. <laughs> he, has a, he has the most, here's a statistic, the most goal involvements for the last three years of any player, he's second to Lionel Messi. That's then unbelievable. That's unbelievable, right? Remember, his second season scored 28 goals all competitions. 28 goals. Then add the assists onto that, right? He's been doing that the last three years. Then when you think about chances created, he's created the most chance in the Premier League by a country mile. And then you re- that makes you realize that this team is not scoring, finishing chances that he's given them. But that, the point is, Eriksson does not hold a candle to him in that respect. And the team 
does not function when he's not around. There was you, you and I. I'm sure you never thought they were going to score in this game. Like, there was, no. I don't remember one chance that was worth anyone's time in this game. No, there was there was a moment. I think a, you know, like a five or six minute window after uh, somewhere in the middle of the second half, actually, where United had some pressure on the severe goal. I think Casemiro had a long shot that was saved. Um, you could just tell that United were lacking creativity. You know, Luke Shaw playing in the second half. You could tell by just observing him. He's lacking match fitness. He doesn't know how to make a forward pass. None of the players want to make that risky, uh, you know, if you're playing FIFA, that triangle pass into space. Mm-hmm. The, the Sevilla players were just too dogged and determined to get the ball off them. And so, you know, we're talking a lot about how United were not on the pace, maybe 80% in, you know, energy match when you're, when you're comparing to Sevilla players. But Sevilla, 100%, they were in this game. They wanted to fight for every ball. Mm-hmm. When they scored goals, the, their fans were crying. Like the passion of their fans, their players, unmatched the, the way the bench celebrated the goals. I haven't seen that from a United team in so long. Um, but also, this team is this team is exhausted. Players are coming back from injury. Players are playing injured. Martial also picked up another knock and had to be subbed off. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, and if your options coming off the bench at that point are you know Veghorst, who mm-hmm. you know like uh, bless him for you know having a hundred ten percent commitment every time he's on the field for united even in his social media posts you know he's every post he has with the united shirt he like he breathes united but but honestly he's not at the level that that is required of a of a of a man of that position at, at the club igalo was better than him and, and igalo, uh, yeah 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 igalo, not, igalo scored goals yeah he's he good goals too he's good goals <laughs> really too. good yes i i I think the last thing I want to say about this game is obviously David De Gea. Like I blame him <laughs> for the second goal. He isn't at fault for the first, but he's involved in it. And the third goal encapsulated everything wrong with this man. Like from the first season he came to Manchester United until 2017, he was one of the best goalkeepers in the world. And by the way, I've run the numbers. That's, remember that season Jose came second? Mm-hmm. So uh, let, let me put it to you this way. If you look at the XG, right, and the XGA, all expected points, right, which is based on the amount of goals that you should have scored versus the amount of goals you should have conceded, um, United would have finished sixth that season. And one of the reasons that they would have finished sixth was because they, they, they over... Other teams, so the XGA was lower, was higher, sorry, than the actual goals against by a long shot. Meaning the goalkeeper is standing on his head. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's either teams are missing easy chances against Manchester United or the goalkeeper is standing on his head. Which he was. and when, Which he was. That season was probably the greatest single shot-stopping performance in Premier League history, as far as I'm concerned. But they finished second. So you think about it and go, ever since that season, as if he did everything that he could <laughs> and couldn't do any more, he's been throwing the ball into United's net for years. <laughs> Absolutely for years. It's been a disgrace. And this was nonsense. He was trying to pull off an Allison by coming way off his line to clear the ball and prove that he's this progressive goalkeeper. And he just fucks it up. <laughs> and then the ball just dribbles to the severe player who has an open net and puts it in 
he should not be a Manchester United number one goalkeeper again. This is the highest paid goalkeeper in the world on 375k a week. He is not fit for purpose. Maguire is no longer fit for purpose. Um, I think, personally, the only center, the only defenders fit for purpose at Manchester United currently are Lissandro Martinez and Aaron Bissaka. The rest of them can go to hell as far as I'm concerned, including Varane, who's not very good on the ball. Um, the midfield as is... Well. Oh, they all can go fuck off. The the midfield is Casemiro and then anyone. (laughs) (laughs) You have to fix that. So the team is a mess. And Rio Ferdinand said earlier that United finishing third and winning a Carabao Cup, and this might be a good segue to go into other things, would be better than Arsenal, who, if they bottle the league, finish second and no trophy. And I completely disagree. Completely disagree. I, I, wanted, and, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Uh, well, I, I would like to know why you disagree, and then I guess I could go into that in more detail. So I, I disagree with that notion because really and truly, over the course of the season, Manchester United have been mediocre, as far as I'm concerned. And a lot of people have come out and said things like, oh, Eric Trenthag has transformed the club. I'm like, no. Like, I take the season before as a bad blip. That's why I take it as a very bad blip. And I take the previous two seasons as one which was third and the second which was second as improvements. And then they did the Ronaldo and whatever thing. And then they came down. They, United were on the way down as well until Ronaldo left. And Rashford had the post-World Cup blitz and they, United went crazy, right? Mm-hmm. They were struggling around that fifth position. So it wasn't all that rosy. So... When I look at the course of the season and in its entirety, I don't think United have progressed to the point that people have talked about. And the league form is really a true um, determinant of how well you are doing as a football club. People get distracted by cups. They get distracted by the Europa League. It's tough. It's grueling. We, We get all that stuff. The Carabao Cup, United played the easiest teams they could face to win. Mm-hmm. In the last couple of years, they played City twice in the semifinals. That is difficult to achieve, to overcome. In the previous FA Cup semifinal they got to, they played uh, Chelsea. Leicester City. Well, not that one. They didn't get, they got to the quarterfinal, but I mean, when they got semifinal the first year, they played Chelsea. So mm-hmm. what I'm getting at is the potential opportunities to win these trophies, they played very difficult teams. And Europa League, they played Sevilla. They had to listen to instructions then. But my, my only point is that it was a harder road back then, and United still came third and second. You mm-hmm. had an easy road to the Carabao Cup, if we're being honest. They didn't play mm-hmm. anyone very, very good. They really didn't. And in the final, they were probably not very good either. So yep. what's the actual measure of the performance of the football club? The league, really, yeah. if we're honest. And Arsenal in my opinion, have shown gargantuan progress. They are the best team in the league. Even if they don't win the, C- the Premier League, it will be because they bottled it because they, we know that they're a bottling team. But even if City win the league, I will stand there and tell you that Arsenal were the best team in the league. Mm-hmm. And they just bottled it. United cannot say anything remotely close to that. They can't. The Carabao is not a measure of anything. You just played a bunch of shit teams and win. That's not a measure of anything. So that's why I disagree with Rio completely. I don't care about the Carabao Cup in this instant. Watching yeah. it with you and other fans, it was nice. It was fun. You win a trophy. But really, the team is not very good. 
Yeah, so I, I mean, I totally agree with your assessment of United's campaign. Um, even though they have had some impressive wins, mostly at home to Barcelona, big win. They've beaten Arsenal at home. They've beaten City at home. They've beaten Liverpool at home. Very good wins for Ten Hag. Um, but on the road, this team is prone to collapsing. And we've lost, embarrassingly, to some of our biggest rivals on the road, conceding 6-2 to City, conceding 7 to Liverpool, uh, 4 to Bournemouth. Okay, not our rivals, but seriously, Bournemouth, 4-0. Um, and now 3-0 to Sevilla in an abject performance. So uh, there is something mental about this team, even though there's a very thin squad and they're stretched. Mm-hmm. Um, you can still tell that there are several players away from from being a serious squad, a serious contender. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, in terms of who's had the better season, uh, even if Arsenal don't finish with a trophy, I still think Arsenal are in a better place than United. I agree with you there. Um, so, uh, you know, Rio and Scholes and, and all these pundits definitely have goggles for United and, and maybe the media does as well. But yeah, I, I, I agree that Arsenal is still in a better position than United right now. Uh, 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 absolutely. We'll, we'll come back to, to Arsenal. Um, in terms of the Europa Leagues, Juventus uh, drew with Sporting, but they go through on aggregate. Um, they're going to play Sevilla, so good. Whoop. Uh, Roma thrashed Feyenoord 4-1, and they go again, up against Leverkusen, who beat Union Sanguilos 4-1. This is dangerous for my health because Jose Mourinho... In a Europa League <laughs> semifinal, he's going to beat Leverkusen. Like I'm, yeah. I'm willing to bet on him to beat Leverkusen, and then he gets a final against Juventus and Sevilla. Listen, man, if 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 Jose Mourinho wins a Conference League with Roma like he did last season, and then a Europa this season with Roma, look, look, we have to have conversations about this, man. Like I'm a big believer in the fact that. And and to some people, this is a a hot take, okay? But I'm a big believer in that. I'm more impressed by Jose Mourinho's managerial career. Now, understanding that he's an asshole, right? And I never want him to manage my club again. But he's an asshole and he's anti-football, all these things, right? But take style out of it for a second and look at achievements. I respect his resume more than I respect Pep's resume. And I don't, I don't care if that's a hot take. I respect it more, and I'm willing to die on that hill. I, I, oh I, I wanted to see what, what you thought about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's really annoying, and it's impossible to argue with how this man continues to win trophies and competitions, and then he goes into press conferences and waves his fingers around, showing how many trophies he's won, and how many more trophies that is than every. Um, uh, how do you say journalists asking him questions so i mean i don't know if i'm more impressed by him or pep uh but he's definitely winning more trophies even though you know europe our conference league is meaningless and i pep to be honest with you pep is like a top tier he won't even spend his time in these lower tier competitions um and yeah. that's where my problem begins. That's a different. That's a yeah. That's a different conversation. That's where my problem yeah. begins because, <laughs> like, think about it, right? I was saying this. I think Mohammed. Funny enough, I was shocked because Mohammed agreed with me on a previous podcast about this. Where the harder jobs, like, remember Pep won UEFA Cup with Porto and then won the Champions League back to back with Porto. Pep Guardiola is never doing that. I'm sorry. 
He's never winning a, a Europa League with Porto and then backing it up with the Champions League. It's not going to happen. Yeah, right? that's a fair point. Pep had Messi. Pep had some of the best footballers uh, of his generation. And all those champions, all those championships are under investigation, even the ones that City. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, listen, I, I, even the Bayern thing took the easy route, right? Like, yeah. he does that. And fair enough. Like, he, like, he's a great manager, great elite, top three of all time, as far as I'm concerned. He get, he get, well, top five, I'll say, uh, all, all time. But, like, has he done the Ferguson-Aberdeen winning the Euro, Euro, European Cup Winners' Cup against Real Madrid and Bayern Munich in the same competition? Mm-hmm. Breaking up the old firm like he did, which has never been repeated since, which is, in my opinion, one of the most difficult things to do in world football. Then rebuilding Manchester United. He just took – he did the most impossible things – and Jose is doing the most impossible things. Like Inter Milan winning that Champions League, that's that's, that's not supposed to happen. It's that's just right. it wasn't supposed to happen, and he did. It that. was a treble season for them too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then he went toe to toe with Pep and took a league off him, winning like scoring a hundred goals in the process, or you know that record or whatever it was, and a hundred points or something like that. I forget what what it was, but it was incredible. So, he took a Champions League off Pep. To be fair, that twenty ten treble was it. He did yeah. beat Barcelona to win it, yeah. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm generally more impressed by Pep's, uh, Jose's career than Pep. And, but I am scared because he's an asshole. And if he wins this, he becomes an even bigger asshole. Because Here's Roma should not be winning this thing. If, if he wins this with Roma, do you think we'll see Jose at Chelsea next season? No. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not a, it's not a, like a actual serious question. I was just thinking like, what are the odds? What are the odds that Jose is back at Chelsea? Because, you know, Lampard is a failure. But this is, this is you know, Jose has had probably Chelsea's most, most biggest successes in the last two decades under Jose. So, if, if it's I'm Mourinho, not out there. I, I did hear this rumor that he was linked. But if, if I am him, I, go, I, don't, I don't want anything to do with that. And the reason is Todd Bowley. And this is a good segue, right? They just got beat 2-0 yesterday by Real Madrid, 4-0 on aggregate, Rodrigo scored two, and that Rodrigo, Benzema, Vinicius, front three. And Valverde. Yeah. Yeah. It's extremely underrated, by the way. Like, incredibly. They won a whole Champions League together, and no one talks about it as they talk about MSN and all that all that jazz. And for good reason, I guess, but extremely underrated. But it shows, like, if I'm Jose, I don't want anything to do with Chelsea because the way that they've been assembled is just nonsense. And I don't think that changes because they've committed so much money to the nonsense. And you need someone who is more patient and going to mold and make something out of a mess. And Jose, though I know he takes impo- like difficult jobs, he does want to put his stamp on things. And I don't understand how he comes in and puts his stamp on a club that bought Mudrik for $100 million, gave him an eight-year contract. Enzo, $120 million, gave him an eight-year contract. There's Nani Madweke, they gave an eight-year contract. You know what I mean? Like, these people are not going away. You have to find a way to use those yeah. people. And, and I, I think a Luis Enrique, I think a Nagelsmann, who have shown to be a bit more tacticians. Not that Joey's not a tactician, he is. But, like, tinkerers, let me say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what they need because they have to make the most of the pieces that they have. Meanwhile, a team like Real Madrid is just so well-assembled that what they actually need is a motivator like Carlo Ancelotti to make the most of that 
of that team that's been very, very well assembled. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, I remember Jose uh, always screaming for, you know, buying new players. I need new players. Spend more money. Spend more money. Maybe if Jose is under ba- Bailey and Bailey is going to spend money freely, maybe that could be good for Jose. You never know. But uh, I think there's potential there. I don't think they can do it anymore, though. Like, I, I think I think they blew their load very early. <laughs> I don't I don't think I don't think they have it. Yeah, well, yeah, it seems that way at least for now. But yeah, um, on the other hand, yeah, Madrid masterclass, the second goal in particular, unbelievable combination. I have been saying this for a while now, and, and this is a reversal of my stance from a few years ago. When mm-hmm. Vinicius first signed for Real Madrid, I was thinking, okay, they're signing an 18-year-old. I don't want to hear anything about this. You know, this is all hype. But now Vinicius has quietly become one of the best players in the world in his position on that left mm-hmm. wing. Mm-hmm. He has so much speed. He has so much balance, grace. He's a team player. He is happy to make an assist when he can go for a goal. Mm-hmm. That front three of Real Madrid, like you said, super underrated. They are happy to assist to each other. There's no big egos in front of goal. They're just trying to get the ball in. You know, It's FIFA mm-hmm. football in front of the net. That's, that's what makes a great team. Vinicius, for me, unbelievable player. You can never wrap this Real Madrid team off. And Chelsea were never going to eliminate this Real Madrid team. It was going to be mm-hmm. a fairy tale for them. I, I, absolutely, and and I, I do think if you're construct, and we we have this debate, if you're constructing a team, I I do see your argument that you had of Vinicius as a starting left winger. I see it because he's not selfish and he'll do what he needs to do for the team. However, you're never putting him in a team over Mbappe. It's not happening. <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite literally never going to happen. It, it's, it's political red tape if if you do it, that. It, 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 like there will be world Mbappe war. has a star power yeah. now. It's there's no there's no breaking it's, him. And and the guy is is extremely clutch uh, on that na- on national level, club level left to be seen. But sure. Um, it, but to to your point, he is extremely extremely good. Um, I, 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 I've run out of super, superlatives for him. He's, he's, well, a, he's a, a wonderful Here's player. a question for you. If you put Vinicius on the left wing, if you have a front mm-hmm. three, if you have Vinicius on the left, Mbappe up top in mm-hmm. your hitman position, and mm-hmm. then your right wing is you know maybe Salah or, or someone else, mm-hmm. you know, that could be quite a deadly front three as well. No, because Salah sucks right now. Oh, um, okay. But, <laughs> but I, look, look, the problem is Mbappe doesn't want to be a number nine. And... Quite frankly, Benzema is a better number nine. So, like, look, as good as Mbappe is, and I and I rate him, I am not putting Mbappe as my nine. It's Holland or it's Benzema or someone else. I'm putting him on that left because you can't deal with him now. That's right. Yes, you Holland have, has to be the number nine. You have Mbappe, you have Vinicius, and you have Rashford. And this season. Take your pick. I don't give a shit. Like, whoever you want. It's fine. They're, they're, you're going to score a lot of goals. It's that right side that's a problem to me. Saka's probably who you go with now. Or you ask Messi to just roll back the years. Whatever. It's not that good on that side. Um, but now, j- just to go back to Champions League, City pretty much destroyed Bayern Munich. And would I have expected this before? No. I would have expected a closer tie, but I think that occurred 
because Bayern Munich don't know what they want to be, which is very, very strange for Bayern Munich because the Nagelsmann situation is a mess. Nagelsmann mm-hmm. and Tuchel situation is an absolute mess. They got scared that they weren't going to win the league because the league is pretty close. And they fucked up, got trigger happy, got rid of Nagelsmann, and now Tuchel has lost three of his first six games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was a. Uh, I, I was really shocked when when they sacked Nagelsmann, um, and and obviously to now that it's backfired, everyone's going to be doctor and say you know on an exposed basis, oh why did they do this? What a stupid decision! Uh, you know, let's get Mister um, Tuchel in, and now he's getting a red card in the Champions League. <laughs> you know, off the bench, City completely destroyed this Bayern team. It was, mm-hmm. you know, if you watched Bayern against PSG in the previous round, they. The moment the kickoff happened, you could see, okay, both teams are kind of in this. They, you know, they both look hungry. But each minute passing by, Bayern Munich just completely suffocated PSG. They took control of the ball. They took control of the possession. You know, they didn't let PSG have a single inch of that ground. Against City, it was a completely different Bayern team. So mm-hmm. the Nagelsmann sacking has backfired. It's been a terrible decision. Bayern, what are you doing? You won the league 10 years in a row, okay? Let's just mm-hmm. chill a bit. You don't need to make these kinds of decisions. 10 times mm-hmm. in a row winners, you're still in the first position. Mm-hmm. So they essentially did that move. They burned the bridge with Nagelsmann. They brought Tuchel in to win against Dortmund 4-2. Okay, that's not even like that resounding of a victory, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they promptly lost their next game. And now he's eliminated from the Champions League. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at this team and I'm seeing Joshua Kimmich is like a is like a hothead. He's like pushing players and getting yellow cards. Like, what is going on? Like, they completely lost their heads. So, City deservedly threw, but you mm-hmm. know, how much of it is down to City actually winning this game and Bayern just being thrown off the rails? I I, I think it's a good question. I think Bayern are really in disarray now. They don't have a good enough striker, in my opinion. Chupamoting has done decently enough but you need to replace Lewandowski Mane and Sané are fighting like the manager's situation it's a mess right now and it's destabilizing for a team that has probably been the most stable in Europe for the last 15 years right um so great time for City to play them otherwise we know they would have beaten City like pre with Lewandowski and and proper Bayern they probably would have won that tie and Pep would have overthought something to try and beat them and plus Dio, I'm, I'm going to bully Harry Maguire a little bit right now because Dio Upamecano is doing his best Harry Maguire impersonation right Maguire. did you said. see the commentator say that like he said Upa I Maguire did. I thought wow that, 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 that's, that's harsh that's bullying but you know what I'll, I'll let it go for today um, yeah, you know we've seen a couple of these these center back implosions over the last couple of years. Upa Maguire, obviously this season, I, I think he was responsible for maybe two or three of the city goals over the course of the tie. Maguire, obviously against Sevilla, responsible mm-hmm. directly for two, three mistakes, so whatever you call and, it. And Van Dijk has been years, horrible. Van Dijk has been horrible. And a few years ago, you saw Varane against City completely mm-hmm. mess up. Um, mm-hmm. So every now and then, there's like a there's like the defender Jerome Boateng, obviously. When he flopped over against Messi, that was an iconic defender flop moment. So this year well, it was I, uh, Upa Maguire. I, I will tell you that the quality of centre back has decreased in the last ten, fifteen years. Like it's horrible, it's absolutely horrible. But that's a that's a whole different different thing. Now we have uh, Real Madrid against Juvent- um, Juventus uh, against Man City in the Champions League semi final. You have 
Inter Milan against AC Milan. Um, I thought. It was very funny seeing Carragher try to talk to Rafael Leal and, <laughs> and, and, and fuck that up. But did I see Ace Milan beating Napoli? No, I didn't. Um, but first leg, Osimhen wasn't around. Um, and you know what? Napoli winning the Serie A is enough. Like take that, yep. win, win Serie A, Champions League, come back again, see what you do. But that's fine. Um, I think Ace Milan then, actually beat them four 0 a few weeks before this, actually in the league. Yeah, I think you're right about that, actually. Um, but so, they've got enough of a lead that, fine, you're allowed to yeah. sputter it all the way to the finish line, win your thing. It's been a while, do that. And they're p- facing Inter, who beat Benfica. And it's kind of nice knowing that a Serie A team is going to the final. You know, I just hope it's not Inter. Um, because what? I... Okay, okay. The, 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 there are two reasons why it could work for me if it's Inter Milan. No, sorry, I'm in two minds. That's what I mean to say. So the first is... If Inter Milan gets to the final and Lukaku wins, I will die. Oh, no, yeah, yes. <laughs> like, That's he true. will be insufferable. I will die if Lukaku wins Champions League. But Lukaku crying in the Champions <laughs> League final could be funny. So maybe they should go through. But I think AC Milan... I like the idea of AC Milan better than Inter Milan in general. And that's as a kid who always took Inter Milan's side as a kid. So there's a bit of role reversal. I like Rafael Leao. I like what he does. I don't know. I, I, I don't like what I see from Inter in general. I don't like them. So I, I do hope that AC Milan pull it off. But listen, let's be real. The winner of the Champions League is going to be either um, City Real Madrid or, or City. Real Madrid, right? Yeah. And if, can you imagine a year where City, Pep wins the Champions League? Jose wins the Europa League. That is death by a thousand cuts. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wow. have this. I can't yeah, I didn't this. even think about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like this this Champions League semifinal, I think, is the most uh, one of the most exciting. Like, I haven't seen AC Milan play Inter Milan since uh, must have been two thousand and three or something, or two thousand and five in the Champions League. It it feels like the quality of player is way different. Like. In those days, we were watching completely different legends. You're watching like Boban, you're watching like Rui Costa, you're, you're watching R9, and mm-hmm. now you're watching Giroud. You know, like there's, there's yeah. like a big difference of player here. Um, absolutely. But I think AC Milan are definitely favorites. It'll be a tight, tight kind of, uh, I think like aggregate score is going to be, you know, 2-1 or at most 3-2 over the, over the two legs. Mm-hmm. Real Madrid City, we saw this last year. City were going through at the Bernabeu. They were up 1-0 after like 78 minutes, if I can remember correctly. And how did Rodrigo, who, by the way, is brilliant. We haven't talked enough about Rodrigo. Brilliant player. Brilliant mm-hmm. finish against Chelsea as well. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo comes out with two goals in a minute. You, absolutely 0%, 0.0001% probability event happening, and it happened. Like, this mm-hmm. Real team has, like, fairy dust sprinkled on it somehow. Is it going to happen again this year against City? That is the million, million dollar question. And I cannot answer that question because because of what happened last year. And the fact that Madrid have been in, you know, countless finals in the last six or seven years. Like, they just belong here. Camavinga has won. Look at his trophy cabinet at 21. And that's the problem, right? Is that, like, you feel like they've got to be bored of this, right? Like, they're not going to turn up. And then they do. So, every year I go... 
Pep's going to win this goddamn thing. And then, like, Real Madrid or someone, especially Real Madrid, are like, nah, fam. Like, we still, we still want to win this. And I feel yeah. like now that they're probably not going to win the league, um, uh, Real Madrid, that is, they might, they'll be up for this. And Pep is might, because of what happened last year, he might overthink this again. But it's too of hard course. to call. It's too hard to call because you could, this season, you could get a Man City trouble, by the way. Yeah, no one's talked about that. <laughs> you really could get it. And I don't know. I think at some point, at some point, Pep is going to win this thing with City. It's it, it, like, unless the gods hate him, which I hope they, that they do. But it feels like at some point it's going to happen. And there's no better chance than beating an Italian team in the final. Because I just don't think those other teams are good enough uh, compared to them. So on Twitter, they were saying that, oh, great, Premier League fans are now going to be swinging their hips for Real Madrid. And man, the hip, my hips don't lie. I'm, I'm swinging my hips for Real Madrid. I want them to win it because I don't want City to win it. Um, my, the worst year of my life would be City winning the Champions League and Arsenal winning the Premier League. That, that, I, you just might as well just end everything. I'm not yes. watching football anymore. It's, it's, it's stupid after that. But Absolutely. Yeah. Well, exciting games, and yeah, that City Real Madrid game. I will be watching both legs. That's for sure. Ab- absolutely, and and just a, quickly before we wrap, uh, Premier League coming up this weekend. Arsenal Southampton is actually tomorrow. So uh, everyone, FPL reminders tonight, so that you don't forget tomorrow. Uh, that game is tomorrow, three p.m. Eastern time. Listen, I expect Arsenal to win that game but they've drawn the last two games 2-2 and the bottle job seems to be on. Moisey did the world a favor. Um, <laughs> they, there's no way they're going to drop anything against Southampton who are woeful. Southampton are so yeah. far south in this table that they've, they've gone to the next next division already. Exactly. Listen, Arsenal are going to win this game. Like, let's, 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 not, let's not mess around. <laughs> yeah. This is like a 3 0 Arsenal victory yeah, for me. But, but what I have noticed, uh, oh, yeah, it's because the FA Cup is this weekend that the next time City play in the Premier League is Arsenal at home. So it's Arsenal are going to build up. They're going to get three points. Now it's a four point gap. But it's four points, and they have a game, game in, in hand. hand. Right. Yeah. So City will effectively have two games in hand after this, um, but, but it's going to be a seven point. Yeah. It'll be seven points. Arsenal will win, and then that's pressure, in my opinion, for Man City because Arsenal are going to come guns blazing for them um, at at the Etihad. I think City will pull through, but like, fuck, that game's going to be mental. Um, and I think if Arsenal win that game, it's done. They're going to they're, they're going yeah. to take they're going to take Definitely. the lead. That's if a final draw. It's still, you know anyone's race but arsenal win arsenal beat city it's over so we can't have that happen um you uh the rest of the games fulham play leads eh, whatever leads united are playing brighton in the fa cup semis yes uh, and they'll probably lose that um so that's cool based on today's performance uh i would drop at, at least three quarters of the squad so Yes, absolutely. The only interesting game in this weekend, Premier League wise, you know, I mean, there are some relegation dogfights: Palace, Everton. Um, How about Chelsea? Well, they're probably Chelsea. not going to score a goal. Why aren't? Why don't I see them here? I don't. I don't know why I don't see them here at all. That's weird. Um, but uh, Newcastle play Spurs, so in that race for top four, whoo, it's gonna that that that's gonna be hot. So United are likely going to make the top four because the other two are going to be fairly incompetent. Um, yeah. So that's nice. But I don't know why I don't see 
I think Chelsea's game was postponed with United this weekend. So oh, okay, okay. Their next fixture is against Brentford, which they might even lose. Yeah, two 0 to Brentford at home. Sounds hey, like a Frank 20, Lampard specialty. I, I, bet, bet on yourself, Ivan. Bet on yourself. I'm just going to um, go ahead and say it here, but if Arsenal actually do not win the league this season, they truly will be specialists in failure. Yes, they absolutely will be. Um, now, after City, they and I still think they'll win the league if they beat City. Um, I don't think they will beat City, but if they do surprise me, then I think they win it. They still play Chelsea. They'll probably beat Chelsea. Then they go off and play uh, Newcastle away. And then they play Brighton at home. So, and we know Brighton are tough. This tough game. Well, we thought we thought Newcastle were tough. Newcastle were were flying, and then all of a sudden, Aston Villa absolutely destroyed Newcastle in the last fixture. So we don't know where Newcastle are right now. Una Emery's been amazing. He's been absolutely amazing. Um, I think his record since he came is like the second best in the league or something like that. So. Um, they were th- really way down and performing really poorly with, oh, look at me, the way I walk, Steven Gerrard. And <laughs> now he's taken them to sixth. So they're only three points behind Spurs, uh, six points behind Newcastle, though Newcastle have a game in hand um, on them. I think they make your, the conference league at minimum between them and Brighton. Brighton have two games in hand on Villa, though. They can push for a European spot. And you know what? You know if they get into Europa, Unai's winning it. Yes. <laughs> you know, he's going to win that shit for them and bring them back to Dom- to European glory. So that, that'll be nice to see. That'll be nice to see. Yeah. I, I fully agree. Awesome. But that's all the time that we have. Rache, thank you very much. Hopefully, oh. um, you, you know, we'll... It all depends on on potting because you're the only one on, right now in the in the Koshkas who actually still plays football. Uh, the rest, <laughs> the rest hey, of us I, are I love. Kids. I actually love be uh, joining a, a Koshkas. The, 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 the reason I was not here for such a large swathe of time is because there was a compatibility issue in the technology. Um, I couldn't actually log on to the Zencaster app, so now yes, I can, I, and I'm and here. We, we categorically refused to test it unless until you got a, a better system. We said no. That's we're not allowing this. Go figure out your life, and you have. Is, thank you very much. I wonder if the listeners are gonna listen to this and and wonder and look deeper into it and wonder like how petty was this? <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, like let your mind wander. It's it is kind of petty. <laughs> it, it is. That's how we roll. Yes. All right. Thanks, Rache. Talk to you later. Yeah. Okay, cheers. See you later.